being a grand final and at some point a Challenge Cup final and along the way. That's what we're recruiting towards doing. Thanks for joining us on the Dockhouse Rugby Show. Today we've got our special guest. It's Mr. Derek Beaumont from Lee Centurions. Derek, welcome back to the show. Hi guys. See more of you than misses these days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kissing you goodbye. <laughs> no, thank God. <laughs> Talk to you about Lee Centurions, really. You're building such a strong squad of players at the moment and a good coach. Can you just talk us through how easy or hard it's been to build that squad and find those players and to get them signed up? Yeah, it's, I mean, the credit goes to um, Chris Chester and Adrian Lamb, really. Um, you know, I suppose my, mine and Duke's uh, biggest part of the involvement was getting Chris on board and, uh, and, and then getting Adrian um, on board. Um, which which are the key uh, key components and you know Chelsea started with five players uh, you know we had five coming uh, with us from from the Super League side that got relegated um, so it needed it needed patience so um, it wasn't a case of just signing everything and anything we needed to make sure that we got the right people um, and. You know, he, he had to kind of start doing that before Adrian had come on board. Um, and, and at one point, you know, we even thought that Chesley might have had to start the coaching uh, role, just, you know, even though that's what he wasn't coming as. Obviously, he's a proven Super League coach. So we had that security there. Um, but we didn't want to go too far ahead in, in recruiting players because then when a coach comes in, if they don't fit how they want to play or, or what they want to do or the culture they want to bring, then you end up with an issue, kind of probably you could say what's going on at Warrington now with Powell going in there and wanting to put his own stamp and, and stuff. So we, we, we had to be cautious. So the big one for me to land was, was Adrian Lamb. Um, and, and then obviously that in itself sets a statement and, and made things easier for Chesley and Lamb could identify the players. So... We, we always knew that what we started with wasn't going to be a big enough squad. Um, we had a relationship with St. Helens, who we have a, a, a fantastic working relationship with. So met with uh, me and Dukes and met with um, Russia in the early parts of it to see what players they would have likely available and, and whatnot. It was never our intention to need that at the back end where we're, you know, from, from here now, we always intended to have our own team with our own players and not need assistance. But we knew we couldn't get that in the beginning. Not because of money, just because of availability and finding the, the, the right things. So it was a, a very measured and structured, structured um, approach to it. Um, and, and we knew the areas that we needed to add and strengthen. And that's not disrespectful to, to, to players that you know, came in in the early part that they're still part of our squad and they're important in what they do. They're just not quite getting in because, you know, we've brought other players in, but they're still very much part of it. And that's whether you're out on long, um, putting pressure on someone who's being picked just so that you're keeping match fit uh, or, or if you're actually playing. So it was, it was a process of getting a team in place, having 
the security of St. Owens whilst we then built it bigger and, and got to where we have now, um, which pretty much um, I won't say is, is, is the end um, as, as yet because there's, there's still um, a few weeks left and there's, there's still the, the possibility that something else might uh might be added in terms of what, what Adrian's plans were. But the key component of it was to get to a point where instead of only having five players at the end of the year and having to bring in 20, that we've got 20 and we might change five. You know, um, that, that that was the, the sort of way. So all credit goes to uh, Chris and Adrian, really. I, I, I've only had to get involved in some of the, the bigger bigger ones you, you know you, you, you Blake Ferguson's um, that, that kind of thing and you know a little bit on the iPad thing so Chris will is back with me and sometimes it does pay for the owner to be speaking as well and, and but Chris has done the work um, and him and Adrian have identified the players have been given the budget if he steps outside it which he's had to do numerous times he comes and taps on my door and can we do this? Would you do that? And a bit more money, please. And, and, and I think that they've got we've got a really, really good group of people. Um, I haven't been around it as much as in the past because, as you said, really is cheesy to do. It drained me last year in Super League, so I, I didn't want to be in that situation again. I wanted him to, you know, them to have full autonomy. And just get on with the bits that that we do, and, and and they've done a great job. And the group of players, when I have been around, and, and obviously I've spoke before the cup and various things, and seen some screen runs, and we've been paintballing together. We you know we went the races the other day with Marvin and things like that. But they're a real, they're a good group of energetic younger players with good leg speed, good aggression, and and they're on a journey together. To, to achieve something that we set out at the beginning um, to achieve that, that's special, that comes with a special reward if it gets delivered. And, and they're all bought into that and, and they're all hell-bent on getting it and uh, they're looking good to, to get it. So that's an even bigger hit on my pocket. But You can see that in, in, from watching the games. It's a strong squad, but not individuals are playing much better as a team than I remember them playing in the past. And uh, we've got a question from our sponsor, Alan Berry from Autism Friendly Caravans, uh, wanted to put a question to you. So he's pointed out about the strength of the squad and particularly Pape and Ferguson, who are two players who would walk into any top four Super League team, two fantastic players. How did you manage to convince Lowe's to come to, no disrespect, but Lee Centurions who were in the Championship when they could easily walk into some very top teams? So, I touched on it in one of the other shows with you, that, you know, the facility is a big asset to us in selling something. Now, Rugby players obviously only get a short period of time in which they can play their career. So if, if we deal, if we deal, we say Ferguson first. So that, we knew how big of a player he was. Um, and the, I'm not going to name names, but there was a Super League club that went really hard in the last two weeks of when I we'd already kind of agreed what was what. 
So it's about how you sell things. So someone like Blake, at that point in time, um, he'd had his issues in Japan. Um, He was was coming back over. Um, It's all about the environment for that person and how you're going to treat them and and how you're going to understand them and, and, and know of those areas. Now, it's no secret, I've had my issues over over the years with, with things I've wrote about it back in, in time. People can search alcohol, depression and drugs article I did back in 2013, 14, whenever it was, 15, I'm not sure. Um, so I understand that. I've got a brother who's a, 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 an alcoholic, has been for 15 years. So I understand issues around that and, 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 and mental health, got issues of my own. So those kind of things on, on how you can... Uh, explain to a player's manager and, and the relationship that you have with the player's manager as well who understands you knows that you're the right fit for that individual so it's about putting Blake Ferguson in an environment what's healthy for him what's understood understands him that doesn't apply too much pressure to him and enables him to reinvent himself and fall back in love with the game of rugby league um, were he is undoubtedly going to stand out because he's playing without being disrespectful again he's playing in the championship when he's a top world class NRL player that, that's he's proving it you know he had four carries he only played 60 minutes at Sheffield I've just seen his stats before four carries for 121 metres you know that <laughs> it's it, it's it's not and he's only had to make two tackles in the game because nobody's going near him because they don't want whacking so, but then if they go on the other side in and wax them. So, you know, the, 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 he's, he's, he's absolutely loving it. And, the, and the, so the process to sell was, Sam, this is the best environment for Blake Ferguson. Lammy's a, a great coach, you know, so he'll he, be the, the understandings, the, the mechanism of, of, of supporting him and, and helping what's what and understanding him. Uh, I speak to Blake. I think I spoke to Blake every day bar maybe two since he got here um i'm always on to him and standing in um and he's loving it he's absolutely loving it and you can tell by what what he's doing the way he's bought in so the process was that that would be what he would do it puts him in the shop window to get the bigger he's on decent when he don't get me wrong most i've i've had at my club and it, it puts him in the shop window for the big numbers that um, he's had in the past or, or are being given out by some Super League clubs. Now, the, the thing was with, with his, his manager was as part of that, because we're creating that opportunity, I'm paying well for it and, and doing what's what, that we get first dibs on making that decision. And that process was uh, was extended for us to July. So even though the window opened in May, so we can't make decisions on, on giving out uh, high-end contracts when when it could end up really backfiring <clears throat> on us. So, you know, when you're talking marquee plays and things. So we went for the July, ended up <clears throat> pushing the button earlier on, on things just because I felt that confidence was there and that we needed to do it, as I said earlier, and the money's there. If it goes wrong and it's too bad, then that's what we're putting. Um, so there is there is other clubs obviously in for Blake Ferguson. Um, Blake Ferguson wants to stay where he is. 
whether or not <clears throat> that will happen will depend on on the numbers and, and and what he decides. But that was the sell to him. Come here, you're still earning less pressure. Reinvent yourself, shine, build yourself back, fitness, everything else on a journey into into Super League, and then uh, either stay with us and go on, or or, or go at the NRL or go to a Super League club. That that was that was the the way that one was uh, was ultimately done. No, I mean that's fascinating, really, because uh, again, like any organisation. Um, you want your staff to feel valued and welcomed and, and understand them and create an environment where they can shine. It looks like you've considered all that even before you put pen to paper and, and discuss what his needs were. And if you get him happy and comfortable, he's going to pay it back on the field for you. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's exactly what he is doing. You can see that. You know, he, He's fully invested in what we're doing, as are all the players. You know, you look at, I met with John Asiata the other day, Quality, you know, he's, he's won the grand final over there. He, he was at the point of giving up the game and and going working in the mines, you know. And then the old vaccine uh, <coughs> situation um, kind of played into our hands, really, where we was able to. It's one of the best things to come out of COVID for me, John Asiata, because if it hadn't happened, we would have never got him. And he's absolutely fully invested. Back, back, loving the game, you know, wanting to stay here, and, and he's a big, big part of, of what we're doing there in, in the middle of the park. So, you know, that was a signing that I, I spent. You know, Chesy got so far with it with his aims, whatever. And, and believe it or not, I, I can I can say this. Uh, I think without any any trouble, York was very close to getting John um, uh, Asiata, and um, you know the the. The conversation I had with John at length, we've got a lot of similarities in, in, in what John's really charitable. He likes to help people. If he, he, you know, if he can help someone or go and do a training session or go and visit a kid or do something, he's a real giver. Um, we're very similar on that. And so when we got chatting about different things that I do and things that we do in the community and I sent him our um, Super League bid that showed all that kind of work and different things and it, it's really selling your club and what they're going to achieve and, and the other thing that's always important for me you know like going back to having a Gazok and I mentioned that to Fergie you know some of the issues there with, with Gaz when he come and you come with a blank piece of paper you get judged by me and, and, and our club by what gets wrote on that paper from your time with us, not what's been on other people's pieces of paper. But people should be given an opportunity to start again and not have to toll a load of stuff with them. And if you do it again on your piece of paper, well, then that's that's fine. Then you, you deal with that and, and that's who they are. But they've got an opportunity, giving a blank piece of paper gives somebody a, a really inspiring chance. So, yeah, and then if you look at BJ Lulawai, who's at um, Featherstone, you know, there was some story about, I think he said something about we weren't giving him an house or something like that. Well, you know, the the, the reality of that one is, you know, and, and again, he, he, he was offered the, the year before to us and the coach at the time didn't see that as, as a fit. Different coaches have different ways, like we said. So we'd not taken advantage of that in Super League. Then when he was coming over, because his agent thought we weren't interested, he'd approached Featherstone because that's the next club that's going to have any money in the championship because there wasn't Super League 
there. Um, Lammy came in late on it to Chesy and said, "I listen, there's no issue with BJ. Really. I can manage BJ and, you know, we, we can um, get some, it'd be good in, in the championship for us. He can do whatever. Um, so we went in late on it um, and he chose to go on the, the part-time option rather than have a full-time option. He was probably a bit further down the road. So we never even got to discussing houses and things, but they're always a part of the package. Um, you know, helping them find one or if we supply it and we have a player welfare manager who does it all. And that's another big thing, you know, we'll get in touch, we'll, we'll show them the schools that the children can go to, we'll show them the um, Pennington Flash and what's around the place and things that they can do and oh, we'll look after it. This is the ocean being, it's a video through of it. This is your car, you know. So the, the confidence that uh, this is what we do for our players' wives on game day, this is where your children are, this is how we look after so they're coming over these players are coming over from the other side of the world and the big sell is what their life will be like not just the the, the rugby it's a big uh, part of it and, and, and that's the same with Edwin uh, I Papi you know when it comes down to it he's going to bring his, his his wife and children over now because he's committed for three years and what that would look like and what she could do and what his children could do and how that would impact on them was a big part of him. But he, he came to the club purely off Adrian Lamb. Adrian knew him. Adrian knew that he'd, again, a player who'd had a bit of a mistake with something that's gone on, which isn't really for me to go, go into. I don't know whether it was ever reported or not. Uh, it's nothing bad. Um, just But, but it, it saw his club terminate him. Um, and and, and he, he was lost to the game. He was lost to the game. He was off back in a, a small village that he lives in and, and that was that. And uh, Adrian was trying to find a way of getting in touch with him um, because he, he, he knew if he could bring him here and get it right, he, he could be the revelation that he is. And Edwin backed himself and left his family and, and came and took a chance on not a big contract, but far from it. Like any any championship club could have could have took Edwin on on, on what he, he came and backed himself for. Now it's a different matter. Now he's got a, a three year deal worthy of what he is as, as a player because Super League was 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 all over it as well. Um and, and that's just purely Adrian's knowledge of him being from PNG and selling to him that he'll look after him, he'll coach him, he'll get him back and he'll give him a great opportunity to rebuild his career. I love that approach, Derek. You know, leave your baggage at the door. We'll take you on, on your merits as a player. And, you know, you're going to write your own history here at Lee. There's your, there's your blank piece of paper. Love that approach and that attitude. Yeah. It's fantastic. And I'm sure that as a player, they're, they're 100% invested straight away into that open and fresh attitude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then because that environment is there and then it genuinely gets delivered upon, and the, the support network, you know, we have this cliche family and, and, and it is that, you know, it's, it's, it's just one big family and we, we help each, we, we, you know, we help people out. Just small things that you can do, you know, like, you know, where Christmas falls and, you know, you pay players early and, and, and just things and, you know, always having an open door and a direct relationship with them. And ultimately, when it comes down to it, you've got to want to do it for for each other. There's got to be something that, you know, when they're whacking their bodies on the line and it's tough, 
there's got to be something that they're doing it for other than themselves and each other, what they're buying into. And you've not got a group of people from Lee. Uh, you know, you've not even got a group of people from Lancashire. You know, you've got Yorkshire, Australian, Kiwis, Tonga, uh, PNG, Cook Islands, whatever the case is. It doesn't matter. It's it's this is what we're building, what's special. It's our, our thing. Uh, and it just so happens that it's at this club. And then that's where your fans make it special and come in. And the fans, you know, Edwin put in his press release how they was a big part of him making his decision, the way they sing his name and, and bought into him and making walking around the time, people are going over to him. And, you know, if he goes out somewhere, I'm trying to buy him a bike. Poor guy had his bike nicked. He goes around on a bike. He, he padlocked just the front wheel to the thing. So someone left his wheel and took his bike. Left on the bike. <laughs> um, it's a funny story, but somebody in the town has bought him a new bike. Oh, brilliant. Wow. Yeah. 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 So he just loves it. <clears throat> so it sounds like the town of Lee have bought into it as well. And I think uh, I was doing some research earlier for work and high performing teams have that connectivity. If there's connectivity, you're more likely to have that high-performing team. And the number of the things you've mentioned are about the connectivity between yourself and the players, the players and each other, thinking about what the wives do on game day, all of those aspects of playing for the club. It's not just running on the field with your boots on. There's so much more around that. that yeah. And you've mentioned those those points several times in, in that. It's... It's um, so I didn't know whether you knew of that research or you're doing it anyway and, you, and you're meeting though, what other people have identified as management theories. But uh, there's a few questions we've got from some of our subscribers, uh, and mm. one of them that tickled me really. Um, you mentioned just before about part time players, and one of the questions they wanted us to ask you was, What's the funniest job that one of your part time players has done? That is, that is a, a tough one. I suppose what um, they're is uh, um, they're not all brickies and sparks. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't, I can't think of anyone who's had anything that's like funny or mega, mega interesting. To be honest with you, um, most of them are just sort of like from trades, you know. Uh, as we are, yeah, we're, we're he plumbers. You were a stripper when you was older. Yeah, I, I was going to say there's one or two of them could definitely have gone and done a bit of male stripping. I've no doubt. <laughs> Money liking that. I'm not sure we could make any money anymore at that level. No, no, I'm out the game. I mean, that's maybe what you'll have to do then. The next time you recruit a part-time player, ask them what the job is because you need an answer to to this on the yeah, next. We need yeah. to know. Yeah, I, can't, I honestly can't think of any if um, anything at all that springs to mind of anybody having anything funny. Um, I'm thinking about the club itself. Um, they talk about the merchandise and, and the shirt sales. And, and one question that came up is, uh, is there a possibility for fans or players to buy shirts that the team have worn before? Is that an opportunity? Uh, player shirts are always given to the player. Right. Um, some players do sell them for charity. Um, yeah. but it, it's a personal thing for them. Um, it, it's their shirt. It's, it's for them to own. We did, um, you know, so, so like for the final, they all got a commemorative shirt. That's theirs to keep. If they wanted to donate it to charity or sell it to a fan, I've seen that done before. Uh, but it's not something that the club does. You can buy player version shirts. Yeah. Um, and we can always make them accessible to, to get them signed and, and things like that. 
that the players' shirts, it's just kind of a traditional thing that all clubs, that's your shirt for that year. It's a reward for the player. They might want to keep it or in years to come, as you say, donate it to charity. Yeah. How well do the club do on merchandise like shirt sales? Is it a big income for the club or is it more of a something you do because your fans want it? Yeah, it's it's not by time you by time you take out of your your margin, your, your operating costs of your staff um, and your your retail outlet, um, etc. It doesn't really generate anything significant at our at our club anyway. I mean, obviously, as the numbers grow, as you get bigger, because you buy however many shirts and then you don't always sell them all because you've got to have all the different sizes and stuff. So you always get to end the year and you've got some write-offs. So it doesn't lose us money, but it isn't something that we focus as, as being a big part of our uh, our income. It's just really, you, you, your main key components is obviously your season ticket and, and match, match day ticket uh, income is, is your primary uh, income source in the championship. Um, Second to that would be your commercial revenue from your shirt sponsorships and your match day sponsorships, your grind board advertising, so your commercial uh, aspects. And then your third biggest uh, revenue in being in the championship is your central funding um, from the RFL. That's kind of how it stacks. Then below that would be stuff from like your retail um, outlet and, and, and your, your half-time drawer and your your lottery department, that kind of thing. Uh, in Super League, can't say for all clubs, but but certainly for League, the central funding would be the, the biggest element of 1.5, and then it would go in the same order. Right, yeah. Um, have you, got, you mentioned a couple of times about your fans, as you spoke on the episodes, quite a bit about the fans. Uh, Lee is a historical club with a very strong amateur setup, community game, and a strong hotbed of rugby league and those fans. How do you feel that in the club? I'm sure you sense it. And have you got any thoughts or messages to your, your fans, Derek? No, it's, the, the, our fans are brilliant, you know. But one of the proudest parts of um, my involvement of, of being at Lee and, and what gives you a good buzz for your money was when we got promoted um, and and we um, beat. Um, Huddersfield in the in the Middle Eights and the, the, the North Stand was just a sea of you know just noise and and colour and, and even the West Stand it was coming at you from here as well and everyone talks about the North Stand because it's standing and it, it, it's where the noise sort of generates and just seeing the buzz on, on people's faces the excitement that we're in Super League and you know it, it's a magnificent feeling and but more importantly than that, how we can influence and have a positive impact on in the community. Um, our community department, the community trust, is brilliant. You know, you mentioned the sponsor of this show, uh, Artism for Caravans. I mean, that interests me because a we work on caravans, we, we do decks, etc. But we also have a um, in our community trust have an artism centre um, in the town as well. Um, and we, you know, children can, can go there and even on um, game days and things, we do an autism aware day. We do lots and lots and lots of programs that infect our community. So our fans, when they get involved and, and they support all those things as well, and then they come and they support the lads. And, you know, 
I can feel when when the when the crowd is a bit low, it's it, it's damaging to me. But when you see four thousand three hundred, of which only three hundred are from Fed, come to a Monday night game that's on Premier that they can watch in the pub, and undoubtedly some did, that gives me a big lift and motivates me. I'm putting it. So the fans are the most important thing. You know, the club will always be there, and it'll always have. Fans, people like me, will we'll have our time and go, and somebody else will, will be doing the reins. That's just the, you know, the king is there along with the king. So the fans, the future generation are coming through. We've got loads of kids. We've got old fans. We've got families. Lots of families come, lots of young kids. So you can see a strong future for our time going through. And the numbers are the, and, and, and they make it so much easier. It, it's easier to find 5,000 people with a hundred pounds, yeah, than you know, one man with five hundred thousand pounds. So that's got to be how the club grows. The, the club's got to keep growing its supporter base by bringing quality players, by being competitive, gets the sellout crowds, and it can get the marquee players. I want to get to work. We're in Super League. Our fans are funding the club by their attendance and the sponsorship, etc. And my Mine and my wife's money and, and, and energies then go on the youth on, on building that because that's got to be the you can't, he's got to have that to be proper, viable, and sustainable over a long term. And as you said, we've got all of those clubs in, in, in the miners, the East Gulf, and West Hart, and um, they're all culture, they're, they're all the producing players that are currently going uh, elsewhere. We need to tap that back into it. Um, but it is building top bottom. But when you're in Super League and staying in there and competing, everything else. Adrian Lamb has a thing he, he says: "Winning takes care of everything." Um, it's actually a slogan from um, the um, golf for Tiger Woods. You know when he had all that hassle going on, the picture of him there: "Winning takes care of everything." So he's managed to say to him. You just win. That takes care of all that rubbish that's going on. People forget about that. You just do the winning. And that's what we need to do. We just need to keep building, keep having good players, win, become competitive, and everything else will follow on from it. And we've got gears to go yet. Lammy will tell you if you get get an interview with him. He will tell you we're in camp three of five camps. And part of the recruitment, the stats, the things he brings into the game, the things the players do, the way they grow and develop – as a team and individuals to finish at the peak, which is the, the grand final, which is again, that's got to be one. Anything else counts for nothing. It's that 80 minutes when it comes down to it. We're, we're heading to that from the recruitment. It's all going in that upward curve. All aiming that way. Well, I, I mean, I suppose the final question would be, and you've touched upon parts of this already, is what would good look like for Lee in a few years' time? The 2022 is promoted to Super League, was, was treble, win 1895 Cup, win the league, win the grand final. That's, I'll tell you now, that's what we set out to do. No, you're up there. Um, yeah. yeah um, 20, uh, 2023 is to um, finish in the top uh, half of Super League. 2024 is to finish in the top four of Super League. 2025 is to be in a grand final and at some point a Challenge Cup finally along the way. That's what we're recruiting towards doing. That's the, the plan. So in three years' time, if you're in the top four, 
of Super League and you've maybe made one of the finals, you'd be satisfied with that. That's your minimum objective sort of goal. That, that's that's where I believe our our club can be managed correctly with the right people in that we've got and growing it. And then the, the, the important work is then to underpin that then to get the, the we're working with the RFL now on the academy aspect, what we are allowed to do. And we started running the programmes and then we'll have some games at the end of the year. And then that's Chessy's thing, what he's then, we're building that below it. So it's, that's going in this curve so that when we get to the, we can have the actual academy with, with through the RFL and that can be in, in a place where we are competing for the better kids at 14, 15, because we are a top six Super League side. Fantastic. And I think you're right to have those goals. From what you've spoken about, the structure's in place. You've got everything in place. There's no reason why you can't achieve those goals. And we're certainly all behind you, Derek. We'll be watching out for your results. We've really enjoyed chatting with us and and we wish you all the success in the future. Cheers. We'll let you go home and, and, and get some tea. I know, and, and like, like Dave says, thank you for your time and thanks for staying on and, and chatting with us. Thanks to you guys as well for watching. I hope you've enjoyed what Derek's had to say. If you've enjoyed this episode, please hit that subscribe button and give us a follow. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we're on YouTube. It's the Dockhouse Rugby Show. Derek, thanks very much for your time, mate. Really You're welcome. Thanks, guys. The Dockhouse Rugby Show is proudly sponsored by Autism Friendly Caravans Blackpool, where every day there is a new adventure.